Hello and welcome to the Citizen Abroad, a Manchester City football podcast. I'm your host, Tim Crean, coming to you from just outside New York City, 3,299 miles from the Etihad Stadium. On today's episode, we will talk about yesterday's 2020-2021 season opener as City takes down Wolves 3-1 in a game that uh, was definitely a tale of two halves. We'll talk about both of those halves. Before we dive headfirst into a related issue of Manchester City's transfer strategy this summer, the window is open for another week or so, and City still has some business to do. Uh, Who will it be? What do I think of their guys, who they've already got, and who they need going forward? We will talk about all that. Uh, One thing I would like to say up front, uh, I didn't mention it last week, my first week back here, as I strive to get this back to a weekly show the uh, If you listen to this on any platform, but especially on Apple Podcasts, if you could please leave a review, a five-star review, of course, would be super appreciated. And if, uh, if you feel uh, you're able to take the time and write a little something uh, nice about the podcast, I will, of course, give you a shout out on the, uh, on the front part of this show. So that said, uh, I would like to give a shout out to my latest reviewer. Uh, Funny Biz Nuts, which is uh, their name on uh, the Apple Podcast app. Uh, they left a review. It was a one-star review with the headline, Terrible. And the review is, takes months to upload. Um, you know, this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to give my real uh, thoughts on Funny Biz Nuts. But uh, my point is, I'm trying to get back to uh, <laughs> to a weekly podcast after some craziness over the last year and a half. So, And again, you know, I do this... Uh, as, uh, as a, a labor of love, as a passion project, as uh, something I just enjoy doing and giving out to you. So if you think it's a one-star terrible, uh, like Funny Biz Nuts, go ahead and write that. But uh, if you do like the show, leaving a five-star review and saying something nicer than terrible would always be appreciated. So uh, thank you very much. Even, even if you uh, take the time to do that, I appreciate that, uh, that you listen and have a strong feeling about the podcast. So again, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, uh, while I'm thinking about it, follow me on Twitter at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast. And if you ever have any questions or topics you want to see addressed on the show, go ahead and email me directly at citizenabroad at gmail.com. So there you go. Thanks again. And without further ado, here we go. Yesterday, City took on the Wolverhampton Wanderers. They ended up winning 3-1 in a game that uh, wasn't quite the blowout that the final score may suggest. Now, City lined up in a, uh, I guess, a 4-2-3-1 is what ESPN's calling it here. Um, The point is, it was a double pivot from City, which uh, was the same formation, basically, that got them in trouble, or similar, at least, to the formation that got them in trouble against Lyon. It... uh, and let me couch all of this by saying, of course, uh, one of the big problems is that City has so many guys out right now. Port's out, Gundogan's out, uh, Bernardo's out, Zinchenko's out. So, you know, there, there's plenty of guys who, should, Aguero's out too for, for maybe a long time. There's plenty of guys who should have been, uh, you know, in, in this lineup that weren't. And so, you know, Pep gets a bit of a pass on that. And more specifically, they didn't have a real, a great attacking midfield option 
Uh, they had the very young and talented Adrian Bernabe on the bench, but that was really it in the attacking midfield department. I understand not wanting to start him uh, in the uh, in the first game of the season. So the lineup looked like this. It was Ederson with uh, the the finally brought back into the fold John Stones, the new boy Nathan Ake, uh, Mendy on one wing, Walker on the other, Fernandinho and Rodri in front of them, uh, with De Bruyne and Foden uh, on the attacking midfield, and then Sterling and Jesus. Uh, kind of in the attacking positions. Now, in the first half, this really looked uh, like a good formation. It was, uh, they they really were on the attack a lot of the time. Um, De Bruyne just looked totally brilliant, like he was pushing the pace, like he was really trying to, you know, kind of win this one-handed. And, and one of the small, small criticisms I've had of De Bruyne over the years is that if he wants to be mentioned in the same breath as Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo as uh, one of the best players in the world, or you know, the best player in the world. Uh, he needs to take over games and kind of win them single-handedly. And sure enough, the first uh, the first thing he did was uh, was draw a penalty. About uh, what is it, 15, 20 minutes in here, uh, twenty minutes exactly. Draw a penalty, took it from the spot. Which thank God he is the one taking penalties now, as we know uh, what a mess that has been over the last year or so. And uh, and he buried it. So it was one nothing City. Things were looking good. Followed up uh, just 12 minutes later by Phil Foden's goal, another great goal. And again, this is what he brings that Dave, David Silva didn't. Now, David Silva obviously was was a better playmaker than Phil Foden is right now. But Phil Foden has an attacking mentality and a goal-scoring ability that David Silva just frankly never had. Not that David Silva didn't score like, goals occasionally, but Phil Foden is a natural goal scorer. And you saw that here where he banged one in from, uh, from you know, 15 yards out or so. So it was... A really nice start, two nothing city, and they are cruising into halftime, and uh, and it looks like they should cruise uh, and and win the game. And then, as the second half wore on, uh, some of the old problems with this more defensive formation started creeping up. Wolves were on the went on the attack. City would try to counter, would try to hold the ball, but they don't have enough uh, forward players to kind of do that. That's exactly what got them in trouble at Lyon is instead of dictating the game and playing the game in the other end of the field and flooding that end with with really uh, possession-heavy, attacking-type players, uh, City wasn't able to do that because they had Fernandinho, Rodri. So when they did hold the ball, it was kind of midfield and back, and it doesn't really create many chances. And when they would go on the break, De Bruyne or, or Sterling would get swarmed, and they wouldn't be able to uh, to hold on to the ball, and Wolves would get it right back. So... Again, hopefully this this formation was just a function of who was available and who was not. And so that means that we won't see it much again. But it makes you a little nervous that right after, uh, on the heels of, of the Champions League knockout to Lyon, Pep follows it up with something similar, being more defensive than he should be against a team like Wolves. Now, I understand, again, just like Lyon, uh, you know, Wolves beat them last year. Just like, you know, Lyon beat uh, City the, the year before that. And Sometimes that can get in Pep's head, and he does things that uh, that he otherwise shouldn't. Going to be interesting to see going forward uh, when he has he's back at full strength from a lineup perspective, from an option perspective, and see what he does there. Uh, other than that, I thought uh, you know Mendy was probably the worst player on the pitch uh, throughout the thing. I, Ake was interesting. I thought he was very solid. Stones had a solid game too, as did Walker. I mean, I don't know if Stones uh, you know won his spot back. But now, you know, I wouldn't mind him being in the mix over the next couple of weeks and give him a, an opportunity to win that job back when Laporte gets back 
as he's uh, as he's competing with Ake and with some other uh, guys that may be brought in. Uh, Mendy, I also said, which is interesting, I said on Twitter that I thought that once they got another center back in, Laporte came back, I'd like to see Aki work at left back a little bit. Um, he's played there for the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, I got some feedback on Twitter. Uh, someone who is, I guess, a Netherlands fan said when you watch him with the Netherlands there, he's not very good. Uh, another fan, a Bournemouth fan, where he was on loan for a season, uh, or maybe even two seasons, um, while he was uh, with Chelsea, said, uh, look, if you're looking for a wingback, Ake is not your guy. If you are looking for a very, an old school kind of left back, uh, then, then Ake is, is a good choice. And, you know, it's funny because what I responded is, is you know, I, I'd rather have a wingback, obviously. Um, but if my choices are Mendy trying to play wingback and failing versus Ake playing an old school left back style, uh, I'll probably take Ake. So it's going to be interesting. I thought everyone else acquitted themselves well. Uh, Jesus had an up and down game. He scored a goal early there. You know, I think it was early in the second half where he was offsides by about 15 feet. Like he really knew it. He actually really only shot because they didn't blow the whistle yet. So he took the shot just in case, which is good. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he had some problems. He disappeared for large stretches of the game. And uh, and he didn't kind of hustle to get on some of the end of balls that uh, I thought he should have. But then at the end, he got a ball. He got a ball in the box, uh, passed it a little give and go, and, and created his own. was able to kind of create his own shot and uh, and score a goal at a tough angle. Not quite an Aguero angle, but a, but a tough angle nonetheless. And so, um, you know, Jesus kind of salvaged a decent game. And and we'll talk about this more in a little bit. But uh, while it was a, a fine game, there was enough bad that you wonder if he is the long-term answer up front at City and what City can do about that in the transfer market. But that is a good segue to talk about what is going on in the transfer market as City, you know, let me just say one more time. City, great start to the season. They're 1-0. Got the three points. That is what is ultimately uh, the most important thing. But uh, obviously, there's some things from from last year that that reared their ugly head, and uh, you hope that that doesn't continue long term. Now, next up for City, you will see them. Uh, well, you will see some teenagers wearing City jerseys, more than likely, uh, which will be fun. Uh, take on Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup on uh, Thursday. And then uh, on Sunday, they will face Leicester, who is currently leading the Premier League with six big points. So things to watch going forward for City as the uh, as the transfer window whittles down here. And that's what we'll talk about now. So the transfer window is uh, is upon us and uh, City has done a little bit of business, but uh, but there's still business left to do if City hopes to contend with Liverpool for the Premier League this year, and if they hope to have any chance in Champions League uh, going forward now that uh, they're once again eligible after uh, <laughs> after they hit down UEFA's uh, sanctions here. So what have they done so far? Nathan Ake, we just talked about a solid, if unspectacular, uh, center back slash, uh, slash uh, fullback. He um, is versatile, which Pep loves, and... He's also a guy who has said in the past in interviews that you know he actually sees himself uh, as a holding midfield as opposed to to a defender uh, necessarily, which you know you know that Pep loves that. Pep wants to Pep basically wants the to a uh, to, to field an entire team of just midfielders if he had his uh, his way. So you can see why he's attracted to Ake. Uh, Ake is only twenty five. Um, you know he's he, I think in in a way he's similar to uh, Zinchenko. As a as a 
maybe a little better, but is, is a solid player who has some versatility. The difference is uh, Ake can play center back, which right now is much more valuable to uh, to City than attacking mid, even though attacking mid is getting a little thin already. And so we'll see if, if Zinchenko stays with the team uh, now that Ake's in there and can play a backup left back or if uh, or if Zinchenko is, uh, is used as a make weight uh, for another deal, as it has been rumored the past few days here. So that's Nathan Ake. Also for Ron Torres, he got his... Uh, his first run out yesterday, um, nothing really to report. He didn't he didn't factor in the game all that much. Uh, he is an out and out winger from from what you hear, but he can play both sides. He's actually a right winger, but he came in for Sterling and played on the left wing. Uh, also, apparently, he can play a little bit centrally. And you know, there's been articles that say he can even play a little bit up front as a striker. So uh, that's interesting. I mean, he has. Uh, what they were calling unpredictable explosive uh, abilities here. So that's always a good thing to hear. He's tall. You know, he's kind of uh, like the anti Mares. Um, you know, he's tall. He's unpredictable. He is uh, aggressive. I mean, you know, really, he sounds a lot like Sané, which is interesting. Now, the difference between him and Sané is that uh, Ferran Torres has seven career goals, maybe eight for club and country. So while he sounds like Sané in a lot of ways, there's also a small little voice in the back of your head that says, uh, you know, he sounds a little like the new Jesus Navas as well. And so, you know, if he could become more like Sané uh, and less like Jesus Navas, that would be good. But you know what? For, I think it was 25 million pounds, they got a great deal on a really young player. So, um, you know, it's good. And when you watch the highlight of him, you know, overall, he can just flat out beat guys one-on-one, which is something that City needs way more of and it's something that I thought Swaggy Ree, Riyad Mahrez would do more of and he hasn't so you know he Ferran Torres has this little move where when two defenders come out of the wing he has this little kind of flip jump where he splits the defenders and, and I mean if he can do that at City that will be so huge at drawing other defenders and opening up other guys to shoot so even if he doesn't score goals if he can do that and draw defenders I think that would be huge but uh, Ferran Torres a great thing and I love that he got his first run uh, yesterday so those are the two guys that are already here. Now, the big thing this offseason was City wanted to get a central defender. The big central defender was, of course, Koulibaly from Napoli. Now, we all remember Napoli and what a pain they were to deal with uh, in the Jorginho transfer saga last summer. Uh, they had a deal with City. They ended up reneging on it, and Jorginho followed his uh, his former manager, manager sorry to Chelsea and so City and and Napoli have had a, a really a, a kind of tense relationship since then this Koulibaly negotiations has been just as tense uh, as the other one has uh, Napoli wants 85 million for a you know 29 going on 30 center back which is uh, pretty insane so they want them to break the all-time defender transfer record for a 30-year-old player uh, City, of course, very uh, something I applaud them for quite a bit, is sticking to their guns and uh, and are not offering nearly that much. That seems to have come at an impasse. An impasse, and you know I like Koulibaly. I like him. I like his size. I like his game. But to overpay for a guy of that age, especially if that would come at the expense of City's overall budget, they can add another center back or an attacker or whatever. Uh, it's not smart. And, and you know, this isn't news to City, to Chicky Bagaristain, 
or uh, or any of the front office guys. I mean, they all they all know this, and they're holding to their guns. And now it looks like uh, Koulibaly, the deal is uh, is pretty much dead. It sounds like, which I applaud City for. So who's it going to be? The options are uh, Jose Jimenez. I, I I think it's Jimenez. I'm not sure if it's Jimenez. Uh, he's Uruguayan. He plays for Atletico Madrid. Um, he is a hard man. He is an enforcer. He's the same size at like six one as Koulibaly, um, but he's 25. So City has offered 85 million. You know, I think between 85 and 100 million to get uh, Jimenez here, and um, I I fully respect paying for that. And I would even be okay breaking the uh, Virgil Van Dyke, who we all know I loved uh, when he was on the market. Uh, breaking the Virgil Van Dyke transfer record of 75 million for him in as I think that uh, that it would be a good deal and he's a guy that would bring a just a really tough killer attitude to uh, to City that City has been lacking I think uh, and you know really for a long time I mean you know since the days of uh, of Craig Bellamy or whoever else you know some of these uh, or you know even um, Carlos Tevez some of these pit bull guys that City used to have but now uh, you know they don't have that and they haven't had the leadership uh, since company left that I think uh, Jimenez would provide as well. So I like him. That's kind of a long shot. You know, he has a big release clause and I don't think Atletico Madrid is, uh, is super excited to part with, uh, with their 25 year old center back. Another option uh, is uh, Diego Carlos from Sevilla. He, to me, from what I've seen of him is, uh, is basically the Brazilian Otamendi uh, without the goal scoring <laughs> that Otamendi provides. So uh, no thanks on Diego Carlos, the Brazilian Otamendi. Um, his partner, however, at Sevilla is a 5'11", 21-year-old Frenchman, Jules Kunde, I believe it's pronounced. And uh, he is someone that, you know, when I took notes, uh, it was just on this a couple days ago, it looked like it was just a rumor that City was interested in Kunde, but that has picked up quite a bit in the last couple of days. And there are even rumors uh, in, uh, in France, I believe, that, uh, that Kunde is on his way. Now, Sevilla has denied in, uh, in Marca. He has denied. They have denied those rumors. But uh, Kunde is a guy that I like a lot. Yes, he's only 5'11", but he is crazy athletic. He can jump out of the gym. Uh, he is really just a, a stunning athlete. I mean, you know, from the highlights I've seen, reminds me of an NBA-style athlete. Um, and, you know, so even at 5'11", I don't worry about that height, but he's got speed. He can jump. It's, you know, someone I would really like to see. He's good with the ball at his feet. And one of the best parts is that the deal is rumored to include Otamendi going back as a makeweight because Sevilla is one of the clubs interested in Otamendi. So that would be a, a double win. So now uh, I went from uh, Koulibaly to Jimenez, and now I am all in on Jules Conde and, uh, and hope that is announced in the next few days. I think he is going to be a great fit at City. Yes, you know what I like, some six foot three monster uh, <laughs> who could be dominant force in the box. Uh, yes, of course. But the next best thing, I think, is a 21-year-old uh, crazy athletic center back. And, you know, Pep, so far, you look at the transfers that he's made since he's been here, and he's had, you know, more luck with the young guys, I feel like, than the older guys, as, you know, he uses Gundogan a lot, but I don't think Gundogan has been, uh, has been any great shakes. And then, uh, you know, Swaggy Ree has been a little eh, up and down. And uh, but when you look at, you know, dealing with uh, with Sané, I thought was well before that kind of went south. And I think that was, uh, you know, Sané and his kind of personal issues uh, more than anything. He's been great with Foden, Eric Garcia, uh, who should be coming back in the next couple of days, too. So all in all, I think uh, I think Kunde would be great. And uh, I could see him being a uh, 
a brilliant center back. Laporte, too, came over uh, as a relatively young guy. I think he came over at 23, if that sounds right. But uh, yeah, so Jules Kunde, keep an eye for him. If you want to go to the YouTube and look at the highlights, I suggest it because it's really exciting and fun to watch. So that is uh, the center backs. Now, does City need a midfield? You know, that's interesting. I, I would have said no before this. You know, I don't know any midfielders they necessarily have their eye on. Um, but when you start to think about it, losing Silva, I mean, this is similar to losing company. I mean, yes, technically last year they had enough defenders to to make up for losing company. So that's why they didn't replace them. But are those defenders good enough and ready to take that next step and and you know make up for company both in, in leadership and mentality and play? Yeah, obviously, the answer was no last year. So my worry about losing Silva is, yes, I mean, that puts uh, the pairing firmly on uh, De Bruyne and Foden as the number one pairing, which I think is just excellent. I, I've been calling for that for a long time now, and I can't wait to see it. Just yesterday, the... Uh, the whiff of those two guys together. Obviously, they both scored, so it's a very good thing. Um, and, and again, I hope this brings Bernardo Silva more into the fold uh, as well in the midfield. So now that you have uh, De Bruyne, Foden, Silva, I guess technically Gundogan is probably going to play there quite a bit um, in the attacking mid, which you know I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, and then Oda, and you could see Zinchenko get, get some run there as well. Uh, plus, if he brings any of the youngsters like the like Bernabe, who I mentioned before, up. Um, you could see them too. So definitely some options for uh, City there. But, uh, you know, if, if Pep ever sneaks something in, it's going to be an attacking midfielder. So keep an eye. Um, my guesses are going to go with what they got, but uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't completely shock me if they brought someone else in. Although, honestly, I don't have any names right now that they're rumored to be looking at or anything like that. So, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, what City does need, and there aren't a ton of rumors on this, unfortunately, but City needs a striker. Let me emphasize that uh, in, a, in a big, big way. City need a striker. Aguero is out for two months, and, and that's fine, but that's not the problem. I mean, Aguero is not the problem. His health is a problem, and you know, as he gets into his 30s here, it's not going to become any better. So I don't know how much we can rely on Aguero for the long season haul. And, you know, Gabby Jesus is just not developing like City or City fans, I think, have hoped. And, and he's gotten a lot of playing time in the last few months uh, since the restart here with Aguero being out. Uh, and look, Gabriel Jesus is going to be a very good player. Um, he's going to be a first-choice striker or, you know, the very worst, a second-choice striker for Brazil. He can, you know, be on a. He can. He would start just like Gundogan, as I always say. Could start on ninety-five percent of teams and could develop into a superstar. I don't know if that's going to happen as a lead striker. If he's going to become a great goal scorer. And look, I realize that some of this is unfair. I mean, we're comparing him in a lot of ways to Aguero, who, as much as City fans love Aguero, I think sometimes we take him for granted about exactly who Aguero is. I mean, Aguero. We say Gabby Jesus isn't the scorer that Aguero is. Okay. But guess what? There's only four guys, or I guess three guys, in the history of the Premier League who are the same scorer that Aguero is. He's the the best foreign-born scorer in Premier League history. I mean, he is an absolute legend and one of the best pure scorers ever to play the game. Probably a top 20 scorer to play the game ever. And so when you compare Gabby to that, yes, it's it's somewhat unfair, but, you know, he doesn't seem to be on that path to, to 
He doesn't have uh, the natural scoring ability that Aguero does and isn't seeming to develop it uh, over time. Now, he works hard. He tries hard. He comes up with a lot of good stuff. He's athletic. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think we can just rely on him as Aguero's backup right now because Aguero is going to need a lot of backup because of his health. So what is City? City needs a striker bad. They don't have anyone in the academy. Uh, as you saw yesterday, they, uh, they had someone on the bench, a 17-year-old, Liam Delap, who, uh, you know, I followed the academy fairly closely and wasn't, uh, <laughs> and Delap hasn't really been on my radar, the Irish teenager, but uh, he uh, apparently is tall, has a lot of good skills, is interesting. Um, so maybe we see more of him, but of course he is at 17, is nowhere near ready for, uh, for the level of participation that City needs. So I really think they need to bring in a striker very badly. Now, I think they know that too, even though they're not uh, advertising as much as you think. The rumors are that before uh, Timo Werner uh, joined Chelsea, that he actually said no to a move to City, which uh, I think is a little strange, but uh, that is what is reported out there. So where does City go? Now, my uh, personal choice would be uh, Lautaro Martinez from Inter. Uh, he is a, a 23-year-old Argentinian striker. He is five foot nine, 159 pounds. He is nicknamed the Bull. Uh, I love this about him. He is uh, the kind of next in the lineage of, of Aguero and Carlos Tevez, two of my all-time favorite City players. Look at that. Two Carlos Tevez references in one podcast. That's fantastic. Uh, he, is, he is a guy that I think would be a great fit. For City and what they do. Um, he is, again, more of an out-and-out kind of center forward like Aguero, uh, which, you know, Pep doesn't think he wants, but I think Pep needs. Uh, unfortunately, the rumors right now is that, you know, he's at Inter Milan, so one of the rumors was that um, they were going to take back, uh, give back Otamendi, give Otamendi to Inter. It looks like he's now involved in the Kunde deal. But uh, the other rumor is that Martinez is... Uh, being pursued by Barcelona. Now, if you've been following developments in the past uh, 24, 48 hours, you'll see that uh, they're not able to, you know, because of all different issues involving money and passports and everything else, they're not able to send Luis Suarez to, I think, Juventus uh, as as their striker. Juventus uh, took Morata on loan instead. And so right now, Barcelona is tapped out cash-wise. They couldn't sell any players to get any money in the door. They're still playing all these absorbent uh, things. Again, listen to the last podcast if you want to hear my conspiracy theory about how Messi could still end up <laughs> at City this transfer window. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than that, the, the truth is that, yes, Barcelona is pursuing Martinez, but they, they're not going to be able to do it financially. And so he is, he's out there. So he's a guy that City should have their eye on. Um, a couple other guys that, that I like that you hear loosely connected to City. Uh, Maxine Gomez from Sevilla. I guess City's just going to try to take the entire Sevilla uh, starting lineup. Um, Maxine Gomez is fine. I, I wouldn't mind him coming through. And Moussa Dembele, the guy from Lyon. We all know Pep likes uh, taking guys who beat him in Champions League, uh, a.k.a. Mendy and Bernardo Silva from a couple years ago. So uh, that's uh, Moussa Dembele, I, I think, is a really talented player and, and would be fun to see. And then my personal pick, uh, which, you know, you don't really hear him uh, connected to City, but Luka, Luka Jovic, the, um, the Serbian from Real Madrid, he is looking uh, to get a loan away from Real Madrid, so a sale wouldn't be completely crazy. He, um, 
is a guy, he struggled last year. He's had some uh, personal issues. If you want to hear about why his country is turning on him, including the prime minister, uh, you can Google what he did during quarantine. Um, another one who uh, succumbed to models during quarantine and, uh, and is paying the price for it. So he'd fit right in with, uh, with Phil Foden. But Luka Jovic, I still have high hopes for him. Again, another guy who has been compared uh, favorably to Sergio Aguero. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, if I had my choice, I would definitely pursue bringing him into City. So that's where City is in the transfer window. Um, the transfer window closes October 1st, so uh, just over a week to get some deals done for City. We will see what they do. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, follow me during games, live tweeting the action uh, at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y. ZEN Podcast on Twitter. Uh, email me at citizenabroad at gmail.com. If you listen on iTunes or anywhere you can get the podcast, leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And of course, uh, that, that's probably the last mean one I will give a shout out to uh, as to not encourage that that I did in the beginning of the podcast. But uh, I will uh, I will definitely shout out any user who, uh, who writes a nice one uh, at the uh, Apple iTunes store there. So thank you very much as always for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.